This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my blessed thought, both by day and by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my soul shelter, thou my high tower. Raise me heaven onward, O power of my power. Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. Thou my inheritance, now and always. Thou and Thou only, my first in my heart. Great God of heaven, my treasure Thou art. Light of my soul after victory. Deepest woe, who in its 
sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. And I love him to me he is so wonderful and I love him because he first loved me. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Our God is the planter of the vineyard. We are the vines God lovingly tends. God gives us all we need to thrive. Let us bear fruit according to God's care for us. Well, welcome to worship, good neighbors. You are listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service, sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Duranda, Little Falls and Trinity. My name is Lauren Tagg, and thanks today to Jim Haugerud and Debbie Tagg, our musicians, to Eileen Flatten, our reader and provider of the children's message, and our recording engineer is Isaac Christensen. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and it's live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or, or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577, by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. We want to thank WPCA Radio for this broadcast. A couple of announcements. Next Sunday we'll be at uh, Deronda Lutheran at 9.30. And December 2nd, Deronda will have its Christmas Bazaar with doors opening at 9 o'clock. We'd also like to invite you to the community-wide worship service at St. Joe's uh, on Wednesday night, the 22nd, the night before Thanksgiving. And there will be uh, music and uh, from all the different churches and a short play, and we'd love to have you join us. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name, even when we are not together in a church building. God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. 
You may want to uh, create a small worship space with a cloth, a candle, and a cross. And you may want to have a Bible or Bibles to follow along on the scripture readings. As we begin worship, it is our desire to honor God, to open our hearts to the spirit of God's love and presence, and begin with the invocation. Dedicating this hour to the presence and purposes of God, we worship together with God the Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Spirit, our breath of life. We continue with the confession and forgiveness of sin. We confess our sins before God and one another, God whose reign is just. We acknowledge that our actions and inactions have led to the oppression of our neighbors. We have willingly benefited from privileges that cause harm to others. We have failed to heed your call to lead from a place of humility and to care for our communities in a way that makes it possible for all to flourish. Forgive us our fear of scarcity and love of power and keep us ever mindful of the needs of others. The reign of God has come near to you. In Christ Jesus, we are reconciled to God, and therefore God forgives us all our sins. Let God guide us to work for God's justice. Amen. We continue with the gathering songs. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has Every doubt will fly And you will be singing as the days go by Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God hath done Count your blessings, name them one by one at others with their lands and gold. Think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven or your home on high. Count your blessings, name them one. 
blessing, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Well, Debbie, we have a holiday coming up in three, four days, one of my favorite ones, Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. just because I like to eat, but. You know, it's uh, probably not a, on the church calendar as a church holiday, but I always considered it one because uh, who are we giving thanks to? We're giving mm -hmm. thanks to God for all our blessings. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think we're all guilty of <clears throat> maybe wanting way more than we need. And uh, this song kind of talks just a little bit about that, telling us to be thankful for what we've got. While the world looks upon me as I struggle along They say I have nothing But they are so wrong In my heart I'm rejoicing How I wish they could see Thank you, Lord For your blessings on me For there's a roof up above me I've a good place to sleep There's food on my table And shoes on my feet You gave me your love, Lord And a fine family Thank you, Lord For your blessings on me Well, you know, I'm not wealthy these clothes, they're not new I don't have much money But Lord, I have you And to me, that's all that matters Though the world may not see Thank you, Lord For your blessings on me For there's a roof up above me I've a good place to sleep There's food on my table And shoes on my feet You gave me your love, Lord And a fine family Thank you, Lord For your blessings on me Yes, Well, thank you, Jim and Debbie. 
Thanksgiving is a neat time for us to remember the blessings. And I, I think one of the miracles that Jesus performed that I enjoy so much is the 10 lepers who uh, got healed by Jesus and then left and only one came back to thank. And there's a little reading here I'd like to share that hopefully would move us to gratitude like it did this one. Only one turned back after stroking his clean, indis clean, distinguishable features with limber and expressive hands. Only one turned back. A Samaritan who had been twice shunned because of skin disease and because of race. Only one took a step away from the rush to be average, from the stampede to keep up with the Coens. Only one knew gratitude and took a step away. From his next appointment, he gave thanks. What is Luke emphasizing in this account? Physical healing, faith healing, the miraculous power of our Lord, or just what? All 10 were healed, but this account is less about instant healing than the gradual making of a whole new person. All 10 had faith, illustrated by the fact that all prayed, Lord, have mercy upon us. But for nine, faith ended with the healing and fell short of gratitude. Since Jesus had not touched them, maybe they had healed themselves or were simply beneficiaries of a stroke of good luck. They had what they wanted and were ready to celebrate saying, ours is not the reason why. Only one went beyond faith and obedience and he went to gratitude. Gratitude is another instance of the extra distance traveled by Christians in the world. When we go with our enemy a second mile, we go out of our way to make him our friend. The Good Samaritan traveled the extra distance to the other side of the road to help someone in need. Likewise, gratitude is extra distance for which we take a step away from our immediate destination. The greatest temptation facing each of us this Thanksgiving season is the temptation that overcame the nine ex-lepers. And that is forgetting God's gifts to us and praising ourselves instead of the small thought, instead of with the small thought, see how much more fortunate we are than other people. But we should be unhappy, not so much for Jesus the Christ, who is forgotten as for the ungrateful 90% who never take the trouble to travel the extra distance, which means not only cleansing, but redemption, not only a cure, but for a whole new person. May yours be a full day of gratitude, continued with a whole life of gratitude. We'll move to the litany. Gardening is not easy. There are so many factors. Soil quality, hydration, light. You need to choose the right seeds, the right location, and the right time to plant. You have to tend and nurture to fertilize, water, weed, and prune. And in the end, there are no guarantees. One storm, a few rabbits, a plant blight can destroy the whole harvest. God tends us like precious grapevines, and in spite of the care, 
we are determined to grow wild. But thankfully, God never gives up on us. God's love nourishes and sustains us. With God's help, we can and do bear good fruit. Continue with the prayer of the day. Nurturing God, may the roots of our lives dig deep into the rich soil of your love. Nourish us with your word and sacrament that we might be strengthened to carry your love out into the world and all that we do and say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time we turn to the Holy Scriptures, and if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with us and follow along with the Scripture readings. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, it shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with the righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The second reading is from Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to his tenants and went to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. <clears throat> well, good morning, boys and girls. It's now time for the children's message, or as I like to say, for all of us who are still children at heart. I believe one of the greatest gifts God has given us is hope. That is what his promises are designed to do, inspire hope. It gives us the ability to look at any situation and know that regardless of how it may appear, God is going to come through. But what exactly is hope? I want to know not just the dictionary's definition, but the biblical definition. 
So according to the dictionary, hope is a feeling of expectation, a desire or wish for a certain thing to happen. The biblical definition of hope takes it one step further. Hope is an expect expectation with certainty that God will do what he has said. To hope for something doesn't mean that you want something good to happen, but you expect something bad to happen. Usually when we express hope, we express uncertainty. Sometimes words change their meanings over time, and it seems like our idea of what hope means is slowly changing to mean pretty much the opposite of what it's supposed to mean. When we see clouds and we say, I hope it doesn't rain, most of the time we're really saying, I don't want it to rain, but it probably will. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. And it only expects it to happen, it's confident that it will happen. There's a moral certainty that the good we expect and desire will be done. I hope you can see the difference. One is a wish or a desire, the other is a certainty or a guarantee. You cannot have hope unless it's tied together with faith. You have hope because you have faith, and you have faith because you have hope. Sounds kind of confusing, doesn't it? Hope is an unshakable confidence in God despite one's circumstances. Hope is essential to be a believer's faith. Hope gives strength, it teaches patience, and it brings encouragement. I want you to remember that God is always with us and he gives us hope. Hope is a, like a light that shines in the darkness. It helps us to see things that will get better even when we're going through tough times. When we have hope, we can keep going even when things are hard. God gives us hope because he loves us. He wants us to know that he's always there for us no matter what. When we trust in him, we can have hope for the future because he knows that he has good plans for us. Hope is like a light that shines in the darkness. When we have hope, we can see that things will get better. So let's hold on to hope and trust in God who gives us hope. So could you please bow your head, fold your hands, and join me in prayer. Lord, help me today to put my complete hope and trust in you. Help me to never lose hope, knowing that you will come through and fulfill what you have promised. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is mine and I am his. His banner over me is love. The Lord is mine and I am his. His banner over me
of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. The text today dealing with Isaiah, in some ways, and even in, we deal with the other verses with the vineyard, are not always that exciting in some ways when we read the ending, again, where they beat up the people and you wonder what's going on. There's a, the narrative shares, and I think uh, I'd like to read part of that at least for you. Our God is uniquely persistent and intentional in giving us every possible chance to bear fruit. It's not hard to cringe as we read this portion of Mark 12. The tenants overseeing the vineyard are clearly exploitive and violent people, terrible stewards of the trust that the vineyard owner extended to them, and hoarders of the wealth that stems from it. If we read past verse 3, we learn that the vineyard owner sent many of his slaves to collect his share of the produce. Each time they were unsuccessful because each time the tenants met them with a different kind of abuse. At a certain point, the tenants started killing the slaves who showed up. So the vineyard owner changed his strategy yet again. He sent his son to retrieve what was owed to him, assuming the tenants would show his child a different level of respect. The vineyard owner was wrong. The tenants killed his son too, figuring that they could somehow get their hands on a portion of his inheritance. At this point, we as readers are tempted to ask one question. Why doesn't this vineyard owner close up shop and reevaluate? He has sunk so much time, so many relationships, and so much emotional investment into something that has only brought him loss and serious loss at that. All of us would understand if he needed to take a, uh, a beat and, and, and go back to the drawing board. But Jesus tells us that the vineyard owner has every intention to keep going. Not with these tenants. Jesus says he will destroy the people who did him such harm, but that he will find someone new to take their place, someone who will honor the land and the work and the agreement between the two parties. So while the pieces of his plan will look different from chapter to chapter, the vineyard owner doesn't change the plan. He is determined to get the land to bear fruit and to get community, to get the community he forms to share it. Even the brutal murder of his own son can't rip away from that vision. This is a pretty obvious allegory for the way that God loves us. That is, with steadfast, unceasing persistence. God has a vision for our flourishing and will send us messenger after messenger to communicate it. 
reminder after reminder to surrender to it. No matter how we respond, God will not give up, even if God needs to return portions of the vineyard to nature so that it will feel the consequences. Even if God needs to work through different people from time to time, there is nothing God will not do in pursuit of God's vision of shalom. God's intentions is for all of creation to thrive together, and nothing we can do can sabotage that. Our text from Isaiah uses beautiful language to speak of the intentionality of God. The painstaking care God takes in cultivating and preparing the vineyard for us. Our text from Mark highlights the persistence of God, the observed depth of patience that God possesses and channels towards us. Our promise is that our God will stop at nothing to show us grace and mercy, and our call to action is to be the best most receptive tenants we can possibly be. When you think of it in those terms, isn't that exciting? To know that God just keeps coming back to us, keeps coming back to us and won't let us go. He still wants us to understand what his desire is. At camp, we used to, well, camp is always notorious for campfires and We'd always have someone after a while would use the illustration of the campfire about how if we stay, all the sticks are in there together and the fire is burning, it gets bright. But if one of the uh, sticks gets taken out and pulled away from the main fire, after a while that stick will slowly stop burning. It'll no longer have light, it'll no longer have the fire. Or if you watch the sparks that go up from a campfire and you see them going up into the sky and there's a little spark for a while and all of a sudden as it gets up there a ways, it dies, falls back to the earth. That's what Josiah and God has been looking at in this text. The people kept moving away from the core fire that God wanted. They wanted to do it on their own. They wanted to do it on their own terms. And if that didn't work, they wanted to try other gods. And what we saw time and time again, the fire went out and the light from that fire went out. Josiah, to his credit, is one of the kings that we read about in the Old Testament who didn't veer to the right or to the left, but kept God's commandments. And God honored that in Josiah's reign. But it was not easy. But he did try, and God honors when we do. The best we can with what God has given us is we tie ourselves to this God. God's intentions. God wants us to abide like when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and for us to bear fruit. From the screw tape letters that C.S. Lewis wrote, he talks about um, how Satan works or how this all goes about. C.S. Lewis writes, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. 
his increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of, of absorbing and agreeable work built up in him a sense of being really at home on earth, which is just what we want. This discourse on worldliness is really part of an advice column from the Screwtape Letters. It was written by an experienced devil to an apprentice devil to guide the inexperienced devil in corrupting a human soul. Just what they want is the falling from grace, the turning away from God, unraveling souls from heaven and building up a firm attachment to the earth. Prosperity and success can enable the world to take up residence in the center of our being. An abundance of things, wealth, renown, these can provide a false sense of security. Soon the heart is tempted and begins to lean toward these things for support and meaning. Stitch by stitch, a knitting is done, joining the person to the world until it is no longer clear which possesses which. The world finds its place in us. And Jesus reminds us where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It takes us to Thanksgiving, doesn't it? Remembering who we give thanks and for what we give thanks. An affluent farmer had a bumper crop and needed more space to store all his grain and goods. He resolved to build bigger barns, reasoning, and I say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. That rich man was the fool in Jesus' parable, for soon after saying this, he died. Careful to provide for his own prosperity, he had neglected to nurture a relationship with God. That's the one side of the story that we have to keep in mind. The other side is, again, God's vision. God's not one who is wanting to harm us, but he moves us through the hardships of life. And as he is the center, it becomes something that touches us and helps us to live day by day. Sometimes we need to look at the physically handicapped to see how things happen in life where God moves in ways that we can learn lessons. Yet many of these have the stoutest hearts and lives, lives the most radiant lives of any people anywhere. They are happy because in spite of physical suffering, they know the secret of abundant living through faith in the tender, loving care of God. Helen Keller was one. We see that happening in Fanny Crosby, who lost her sight when only a little girl. However, she did not let her soul become downcast, nor did she feel sorry for herself. Out of her tribulation came many of the most loved songs of the Christian church. Many people who are thus handicapped preach real sermons with their lives. They demonstrate a firm faith can sustain you in any situation, no matter how large or small it may be. They prove to us that the only important thing in life is to know and believe in the great God. They testify that a divinely vibrant and loving God is at the center of life. And then if we are only at peace with God, will we find happiness? There's a student in a certain college who moved about the campus on crutches. A confident optimism permeated his life. 
He was blessed with a keen mind and had won many scholastic honors. Moreover, he had the respect and friendship of all his classmates and friends. One day a classmate asked him, what, what caused his deformity? Infantile paralysis, paralysis, paralysis was his reply. But tell me, continued his friend, with a misfortune like that, how can you possibly face life so confidently? Oh, he replied, smiling, the disease never touched my soul. God's spirit had a firm grip on that boy's heart. He had learned firsthand that with God all things are possible and that God brings blessings even from life's crosses. As you celebrate Thanksgiving, as you celebrate life day by day, may we have that same understanding. God is in us. He wants the best for us. He won't let us go even when there are different circumstances that seem way out of our control. We need to keep abiding in God, the vine. When that happens, much fruit will be given and bore. May your life bear much fruit in the coming days, moments, or years. Amen. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens, Lord with me abide, when other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, Shadow.
Continue with the confessing of our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffering under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. that God's justice is sure, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. God, who plants and tends us, you have given us all we need to bear the fruits of your justice and peace, yet we stubbornly refuse to follow in your way. Do not abandon us, but continue to nurture us in our gro growth toward you. God of justice, in mercy, hear our prayer. You give us a myriad of plants for our nourishment. Make us to practice sustainable farming so that all might have abundance without harmful effects on our ecosystems and climate. God of justice, in mercy, hear our prayer. Give wisdom to all who lead at any level that they might be careful stewards of the communities they serve. God of justice, in mercy, hear our prayer. Strengthen all who journey with long-term illness, those in need of or recovering from surgery, and the people who care for them. <clears throat> Especially Kelsey Zamuda, Joyce Anderson, Ron Lee, Pat and Lucille Trofe, Jim Wade, Maury Nicholson, Helen Erickson, Julie Dubois, Scott Morgan, Matt Crerup, Randy Goglin, Ida Martinson, Helen Jorgensen, Becky Anderson, Shirley Lenz, Dave Christensen, Ron Wilson, Jean Hoisington, Haylin Hoisington, Pete and Diane Fall, Dean Muse, Jocelyn Burdick, Mindy Spoford. God of justice, in mercy, hear our prayer. For all the saints who tended gardens and green spaces with love, we give you thanks. May we care for all growing things in grateful memory of them. God of justice, in mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, we turn all these things over to your tender care, trusting that you hear and answer all our prayers, spoken and unspoken, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. <coughs> Lord, 
listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power, send us As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church, even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, your home congregation, the synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. Let us pray. God of the vineyard, in gratitude for your tireless care and provision, we return to you these gifts, the fruits of your labor. Use them for the sake of all who are in need. Amen. When the church celebrates Holy Communion, we gather with all the saints from every time and place to hear again the story of God's power and the love shown to us through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the wine, gave thanks and gave it to all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Now let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Take the bread and wafer, and as you eat it, hear this promise from Jesus, the body of Christ broken for you. Take the wine or grape juice, and as you drink it, hear this promise from Jesus, the blood of Christ shed for you. Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you to life everlasting. Called to walk together as the body of Christ, let us abide with one another in peace. Thanks be to God. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. Well, we've got another old-time favorite here, too. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See, on the portals, he's waiting. 
Thank you for listening to a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small town churches in Amber, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. God.